Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. And uh, I am truly humbled and honored to stand up here. And by no means that I come uh, uh, just ready to, to give speeches, I feel like a massive uh, impartation is in the room. I feel like hell's nervous and heaven's excited and that's just the way I like it. I, I feel like punching the devil in the face twice tonight. I just, just cause I can. You know, like I just feel there's so much strength in this room. And, uh, and so I recognize though, I've got some new friends in the room and so let me tell you my story so you know where this crazy Mexican is coming from, okay? Uh, I grew up on the border of the United States and Mexico, and if you do your research, you probably will find out that my, my city where I grew up, nobody vacations there, all right? Nobody goes. You go there to visit family or to do something illegal. That's the only, re- I'm not lying. If you heard about all the drug wars, all the drug trafficking, all the human, okay, those are all my cousins. <laughs> I'm not lying. So either Christmas was fun or the police, the FBI, the DEA, the ATF is kicking in the front door. I'm not, this is a true story. My whole life is like one episode of Narcos. That's my life, all right? So you can imagine by, by that time, I, uh, at the age of 12, I found myself with a drug addiction, a lust problem, an anger issue, violence wrapped around my life, but I love to play basketball. Come on, anybody love to hoop in here? Anyone, yeah. So I, all three of you, that's great. So I would go to this church that had a gym and they would open it up right before their youth service to get all the students into the gym. And then when service would start, they'd transition from the gym to the service. Well, in that transition, I would dip and leave and find somewhere else to play. But the youth pastor, he got involved in my life. And one day he came to me, he said, hey, do you wanna go to church camp? Now, honestly, God, I had no idea what this was, okay? He said, hey, do you wanna go to church camp? I said, there are gonna be hot girls at this camp. There's gonna be fine women. I was a six-year-old little pervert, okay? I had no idea what I was saying. And so he said, well, we're gonna go for Jesus. I said, fine you can go for Jesus, I'm gonna get some phone numbers. (laughs) I'm going to camp. What I didn't realize is on the first night of that camp, I got saved, I got filled with the Holy Spirit and called into ministry all in one night, baby. The game-changing night for me. And from that point forward, I've just been absolutely ruined. I went to Bible college, I was in business, I became a missionary, I lived in Sri Lanka. Uh, I, I then took over student ministry where we just had a radical move of God, a sweeping revival come through. And really the last 14 years of my life, I've dedicated to raising and releasing this next wave of influencers and voices that I believe are gonna be holy disruptions in every sphere of society like politics, medicine. I'm talking about business in the church. Come on, how many have faith that God has a breed yet to be uncovered and revealed that he's bringing in a great wave of revival, not only into the globe, but especially in this strategic nation. And uh, there's no way I could do this alone. Uh, I married the right one. We just celebrated 19 years of marriage this year. Come on, that's a miracle. I have the longest first marriage in my family. Like, that's a miracle, all right? And we have four amazing kids. She wants more. I don't. Pray for her, not me, all right? I don't have a problem. But I brought the big guns with me this weekend, and I did. I brought my daughter, Jasmine. One more time, can you welcome my daughter for coming? And... She'll get up and minister tomorrow. We've just been doing an incredible run here the last 12 months. But I can't think of a better place to be than right here at Horizon. Come on, are you excited about what God's gonna do? Now, that's terrible. Church, listen, I don't do no quiet church. I'm I'm too Hispanic for that, all right? I'm too brown for that. Come on, is there any caramel people in the room? Come on, we're to brown. Uh Uh-huh, 
and we got some chocolate folk in the room. Where you at, chocolate? Everybody loves chocolate. And we got a lot of whipped cream up in this room, too. There's a lot of whipped cream in this room. So it don't matter what flavor you are. Everybody got a sweet tooth in here, all right? But I, I, I just don't do no quiet. I believe the Word of God deserves a response. Hello? Like, I like playing on my home court because it meant the, I, the, if I played on my home court, it meant I had the most crowd support. Well, I believe we should give the Word the most crowd support tonight. Can we do that? Can we do that? Somebody say yes. Somebody shout, come on, somebody. Say, come on, somebody. I don't know how to spell that. That's a, that's a big word. Yeah, there you go. The glory's over here. Yeah, that's a big word like mayonnaise. I, I don't even know how to spell that. But are you ready for the word? Come on, Horizon, are you ready for the word? All right, I believe it. Do me a favor, turn on your Bible and go to Luke 3.16. Yeah, I know what generation we live in, for crying out loud. Turn it on. Okay. Um, if you open it, that's fine. If you turn it on, that's fine. My Bible says it's the Word of God that's living and active, not what it shows up or when it's written on. Man, I cannot tell you how I have wrapped myself in prayer around this theme of uh, Selah. And, and I know that you guys probably say it differently, but uh, and I might be butchering it the way that you say it, but you know exactly what I'm saying, okay? I, I, there is something uh, uh, supernatural and weighty about this word. Did you know that Selah is actually used more than hallelujah? It's actually used more than amen combined. It is a weighty word. And, and I think when people think about Selah, they think of it just being artistic or creative. But there is something in the spirit when you grab this, that this word had such a potency in the place of prayer and intercession that it would take its writer. It didn't matter if it was the sons of Korah. It didn't matter if it was David. It would take its writer from inward fear to upward faith in a moment's notice. There is something supernatural. And Selah, what it does is it puts our focus on the things God wants us to think about. When, the, when a writer would have a Selah moment, he would stop the conversation or the encounter because he knew God had journeyed his mind, his will, his emotion, his faith, his belief, his previous, his past. I'm talking about his wins, his losses, his successes, his struggle. He had journeyed him to a place where all he could do was respond to God with, wait, Selah. And he had to allow the imagination of the Holy Spirit to take over and bring him in, not to what's next, but what's into now. And I feel like that's exactly what God is doing in this moment. And so it's, it's in that mindset that I'm gonna stay the whole weekend. But I want you to meet me in Luke 3.16. Because I, 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 all around the world, people know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I believe John 3.16 is a powerful verse. But I think one that carries just as much authority is Luke 3.16. Now let me give you some context because this is Jesus, I'm sorry, this is Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. Now John has been ministering before Jesus is truly unveiled to the nation of Israel. And he is, he, John is ministering unlike anybody else in the last 400 years. He is waking the nation up in a supernatural way. I mean, John literally has miracles. I mean, he, John is, God, John, if you were a disciple of John, you were radical. And not only that, but you were constantly going after your pleasures and your comforts. I mean, this man headquartered in the middle of the desert. I mean, he had camel's hair and a leather belt. This is not the Gucci and the Louis Vuitton of the day, okay? This guy ate wild honey 
and locusts. His altar calls were not, come on down, give your life to God, the grace is gonna run. No, his altar calls were like, you bunch of snakes, who told you to hide from the judgment that's destined for your life? And he's saying this to his dad's friends because he's a pastor's kid. And these are the rest of the pastor. I mean, this is John the stinking Baptist. This dude was a legend, he is the man. And now the Christian TMZ of the day has messed up and twisted the headlines and thinks, well, John might be the Messiah. So we, and, and so John gets, God like hears this rumor wheel, and so he has to set the record straight, and so this is what he says, John, uh, uh, he says this in Luke 3, 16, he says, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Watch this. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Watch this. And, and, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I love the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I don't just believe in it doctrinally. I, I believe in it exponentially and experientially because not only did I receive the Holy Spirit, but I spoke in other tongues. It is a sign. It is a wonder. It is a seal to believers. I love this. And we preach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But he says, I'm going to baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, a lot of people don't understand what the baptism of fire is, but the baptism of fire, let me tell you what it's not. It's not to just have passion and hype. You know, I grew up in a Hispanic church, and they would constantly pray one thing over your life with the, I mean, the decibels were always loud. It didn't matter, especially a church mama who would come up to you, and she would scream this in the altar call. She would say, in the nombre de Jesus, the fuego! Fuego de Dios. She would scream this over your life. It was one word, fire. That is not, it's great, but it is not the baptism of fire. The baptism of fire is to have a passionate desire for him and him alone. And there are no other lovers and there is no other competition and there is no need for distractions. It is to have a longing, a desire, a supernatural thirst for his presence, his word, and nothing even comes close to that in your life. That is the baptism of fire, to have a passionate desire for Jesus. Understanding that, we're gonna go deeper, but let's pray. Holy Spirit, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I thank you for every man and every woman under the sound of my voice. Father, I speak to this atmosphere, and I say it is full of faith. It is full of expectation. It is full of hope. It is full of peace. It is full of power. I come against every limit, every restriction, every barrier, every lie, every demonic harassment, I say, is broken right now in Jesus' name. And I call every person into their season. I call them into their rhythm. I awaken them now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Increase their awareness of your presence. Let the flood of revelation consume their thoughts. Let it get in their dreams. Let it get in the car rides, God. Let it get in their marriages. Let it get in their careers. Lord, we don't want some weak 
Greek fire. We don't want Sunday morning fire. We don't want politically correct fire. We don't want manageable or reasonable fire. We want a historic outpouring of holy fire like we have never seen before in this nation. God, would you mark us? We want the same fire that Moses saw in the burning bush. We want the same fire that touched Mount Carmel. We want the same fire that was consuming, yet not even touching Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God, would you send your fire in such a fresh way that you interrupt what's been interrupting your people? Wake us up tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone shouted. Amen. I feel like praying, man. I'm telling you. I, I want to speak to you from this subject. This is a life message for me. This is something that I felt like God would not let me get away from. And it's this message here. I want to talk to you about being fueled by fire. I have watched a lot of people try to stagger their life and be fueled by success, be fueled by status, be fueled by how much is in the bank account, how many times you ended up in the headlines, how many people gave you accolades and labels and compliments. But the truth is that has an expiration date. But there is a source that if it gets on your life and it gets in your spirit, I promise you it'll never go dry. It'll never quit on you. It'll always be available to you. And that is the fire of Almighty God. I don't want to be fueled by fame. I don't want to be fueled by fortune. Friend, I want to be fueled by. I believe there's something fresh that needs to be awakened on the inside of us in this line. I uh, I remember now. Let me let me tell you, let me preface this story. You heard where I grew up. We're crazy. Not only that, we're from Texas. That's another layer of crazy. All right. And not only that, when you grow up as a cartel kid, you're violent and you're weird and you're exposed to things that you're not normally exposed. So if this story offends you, I blame the devil. Okay. I remember one time, I'm making Pastor Brad nervous. I, may, I remember one time, I went, my, my mom was actually adopted by a, a, a family that started a home for abused, neglected kids. She was the first kid in this home, and I grew up knowing these people as my grandparents. Now, we were not blood-related, but these were my grandparents. And uh, when my, my mom uh, uh, was obviously married and she had kids, we would go and visit my grandparents and my grandparents had horses. In fact, they had a whole farm. A lot of you wouldn't know this, but I know how to shear a sheep. I know how to shoe a horse. I know how to milk a cow. Believe it, don't let these pants fool you, baby. I'm a, I'm a cowboy thug. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, this is what I am. I'm a, I don't know, a redneck gangster. I don't know what it's, a bogan gangster, whatever. All right, so, so like, I, I, I mean, I remember one time I, <laughs> I went, and uh, every, every weekend I would go, it was my responsibility to give uh, uh, hay and water to his horses, and especially his favorite horse. His favorite horse was named Bugsy. I don't know why. That's the dumbest name on the planet for a horse. I always thought, like, that's like naming the hamster rhino. Come on, you ever seen both? That's like naming the chihuahua elephant. It just doesn't make sense, all right? And so my job was to give water and hay, and so you put all the, the, the hay and the feed into the trough, and then, of course, you get these 50-gallon uh, drums of, of water, and you would fill it up. And so I remember I did this right before it was getting dark, and I was going to go to bed, and, and I, I remember I filled up the water, and I went to sleep. Well, the next morning, I walk up on Bugsy, and I can see that he is in a position I have never seen him before. He is killed over on the side, dead like this, all fours. True story. Dead just like that. Tongue hanging out his head. Like this, all right? 
And I walk, and I what I might what I can ascertain was I may have I can either confirm or deny this, but I may have put the water too far, and this horse actually choked itself to death trying to get to this water. And I'm thinking this horse is going to get me a whooping like I have never got in my life. Now I grew up old school. I, I didn't grow up where. You know, your parents, if you did something bad, they sat you at the table and they asked about your emotional state and they cared for your real feelings and they wanted to know how many choices you could have before and how could we not have this happen again. No, there was no talking. You were gonna catch these hands and you were gonna catch all the smoke. And no crying, I'm telling you, I grew up in the type of hood that if you did something dumb down the road at somebody else's house, and yet, like if you said out a, a bad word, well, that mom would come out of the bedroom and she would be like, what'd you say in my house? Have you lost your mind? And she would whoop your booty, just like a pow, right? And she's and you go home and tell your mama what you just did. And so you're walking home and you're like, <laughs> just, just like this. And then you see the, the mama on the porch. She's like, baby, why are you crying? Well, I was over at Miss So-and-So's house and I said, this. you said what? And she'd come off the porch and she would whoop your booty. I would get like three or four beatdowns before the official beatdown for my parents. All right. Like that's how I grew up. So I'm thinking, man, I ain't getting beat down today for no horse. This dumb horse decided to choke itself trying to get water. So I'm thinking, you know what I'm gonna do? I may have watched one too many mafia movies. I thought if I burn the body and get rid of it, true story, and I get rid of it, then there would be no evidence and then I could make up some lie about all the horse ran off, right? So this is true. Some of you are like, this guy was wicked. He was seriously wicked. And so I remember I go and grab all the petrol, all the gasoline, everything. This, yeah. And I remember I take it and I am, I, I dump a little on the horse just like this, right? And then I light a match and whoosh, a flame starts. And I'm like, yes, we're gonna get rid of it. I'm not dying today. Maybe tomorrow, but not today, right? And so this, I mean, this fire, it, it stays lit for maybe two, three minutes. And then it goes out. I'm thinking, this dumb horse. So I'm like, let's put some more gas on. It just needed more gas. That's all it needed. So I put like double the amount and just dumping all the gas, right? All over it. Then I like the match. Whoosh, another flame comes up. It's even bigger. And I'm thinking, yes. Well, this one only lasts maybe five minutes, maybe. And then it dies again. And I'm thinking this dumb horse won't die again. <laughs> and I, 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 of course, I don't know. You know, if you've, if you never burned a body before, it'd be weird if you had, but um, <laughs> It's got all its fluids still in it, so this thing is not burning, all right? So, so I remember I take the rest of the gas, all right? And I dump, I mean, I'm dumping all, emptying every can, everything I got. I'm taking dry wood, I'm taking newspaper, and I'm stacking it. I'm, I'm like putting it all over, and I had enough sense that if I light this match, I'm gonna blow myself up, right? So I thought, I'm gonna take a little gas, put it all over, put the paper, put the wood, get it on, and I'm gonna get me a little line, just like this right here. And then I'm gonna light the match, and Whoosh! All of a sudden, this huge flame, boom, exploded. Just I mean, you probably could have seen it from space. I mean, this thing was huge. Huge flames, meters in the air. And I, I remember thinking, yes! Well, I didn't realize I was in the middle of a dry field. No. Yeah, story gets better. Um, I, I, or worse, <laughs> um, I was nine, by the way, if that just tells you anything about my child. I was nine. This wasn't last week, okay? I was nine. All right, so I, I, I catch the field on fire, Tim. And I, I remember I turn around and I'm thinking, not 
oh man, we all gonna die if this thing catches. So I remember, I'm like working on the field and I keep looking back at the horse and I'm working on the field and I keep looking at the horse and it's still gotta find like I could. And so I'm, I'm trying to buy some miracle in about 20 minutes, I put out the fire in the field. I don't even know how. But 20 minutes later, I look at the horse and the flames are gone and everything's all smoldered, got all this smoke, everything. It's just like a charred piece of meat. Now, all of the heat, all you can see. And then through the smoke, I can see the figure of a man appear. It's not Jesus for you spiritually weird people. I'm gonna just tell you that right now, okay? It was my grandfather and he was holding a belt. You already know how this story ends. He turned my two-piece into a six-pack, just like that, all right? After traveling and ministering in God's church, I have found a lot of people are like this horse, that they love to catch fire, but they don't know how to keep fire. They love to get lit, they don't know how to stay lit. And so they need another Horizon Conference and they need another prophet and they need another YouTube channel and they need another podcast and they need another prophetic word and they need another counseling session and they need another good preach and they need another worship song until finally they catch some fire and then they can only hold on to it because they're not used to stewarding this because they haven't found that you can fuel yourself correctly and build your own fire on your own altar, in your own space, on your own time, between your own relationship with the Lord. There is somebody in this room that needs to hear. You need to be fueled correctly. And allow me to, you know, fire plays a significant role in the scriptures. And let me just take you through a journey real quick. Did you know that fire is a part of God's nature? This is who we, look at this, uh, Hebrews eleven twenty nine. 29. Our God is a consuming, fire. a consuming, fire. he is a consuming fire. Notice he doesn't have fire, he is fire. I got news for some in this room. God doesn't have love, he is love. God doesn't have peace, he is peace. God doesn't have joy, he is your joy. God doesn't have faith, he is your faith. He doesn't have healing, he is your healing. Are you following me? He doesn't just have things, he is things. Our God is a consuming fire. It says in Revelations chapter one, verse 14, again, fire is a part of God's nature. It says the hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. Continues in verse 16. His face was like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. Now, you have to understand, this is written in the book of Revelations by John the Revelator. John is a Middle Eastern man. He is used to a very, very, very hot sun. And he is comparing the face of Jesus to the sun but then he can also make out the fire in his eyes. And the Bible says that we are the apple of his eyes, that it burns brighter than the sun. Are you seeing this? Fire is a part of God's nature. Did you know that his word is like a fire? Jeremiah said it like this in uh, chapter 20, verse nine. He says, I'll not mention his word or speak anymore in his name. His word in my heart is like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. Luke 24, 32, you remember the two men on the road uh, to, to Emmaus, one of them was Cleopas, and they are walked up behind, uh, they're, they're walked up on by Jesus, yet they don't know that it's Jesus. Do you remember this? And, it, they, and Jesus here, well, oh, watch this, he overhears what they're saying. Let me just take a quick rabbit trail. He overhears what they're saying, and they are talking about the current events of the day. 
They're talking about Jesus's life, ministry, death, arrest. I mean, they're covering everything. And Jesus asks them, what are you talking about? And they're like, are you the only one who doesn't know? And Jesus like, hit me. And so what do they do? They start quoting the current events of the day. Let me put it in your world. They start quoting the headlines, the newsreels, social media feeds, propagandas, opinion polls. Are you following me? They start reporting the current events of the day and Jesus lets them get it all out. And then what does Jesus do? He doesn't point to this new station or this other stat or this other opinion. No, the Bible says he takes them back to the scrolls and he begins from the law and the prophets and begins to open it up. The Bible even says that he opened their mind to the scriptures. If that's not a Selah moment, I don't know what is because he literally had so much to say to them that their mind was getting expanded. And then watch this. They recognized it was Jesus talking about his words like fire. He disappears when they recognize it's Jesus. And then they say, did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke these words to us? Listen, his word is like a fire. Psalms 119, 105. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. What's a lamp? What's a light? It's a, help me out. What is it? It's a, Jeremiah 23, 29. He says, is not my word like of fire. Did you know that his angels are like fire? Can we just take this a little bit deeper? Psalms 104 says this, he makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. Second Kings chapter six, if you'll remember, Elisha is completely surrounded by the Syrian army. And he walks out and he is unintimidated because he sees what in this passage nobody sees. His own servant doesn't see what he sees. Until finally, Elisha realizes it and says, Lord, open his eyes. And then the servant says he could see that the hillsides and the mountaintops were full of chariots and horses of This is why it's so important. His angel, did you know that, did you know that his people should be on fire? It says this in, in John 5.35, Jesus says, John the Baptist was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. Luke 12, 49, Jesus said, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Jesus said this in Luke 12, 35, be dressed, ready for service, keep your lamps burning. My question to us tonight, I'm preaching to myself, is do we have this type of fire, or is our cell phone still brighter than our fire? Because if it is, then we are in dangerous territory because we will not last. We'll have a good season with God, but count a storm come in or a struggle comes in or the unexpected starts to happen or the challenging starts to come taste and all of a sudden we are completely shaken where we don't feel the presence of God and we don't feel like God's moving. Friend, I got news for you. He is always waiting to ignite you in a fresh way. My Bible says a bruised reed, he will not break. A smoking ember, he will not put out. It don't matter how far, how small your fire got, he can fan that thing back into flame. I feel like somebody in this room says, Pastor Chris, I feel so dry. Good, because fire burns better in dry places. And what you need is a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit tonight. Come on, if you want God to move in your life, go ahead and give him 10 seconds of praise right now. Lord, we need your fire. 
God, we want your fire. We won't move without your fire. We refuse to breathe without holy fire. I don't care if this fire asks me to sacrifice. I don't care if I lose status. I don't care if I lose friends. I don't care if people look at me weird or label me a fanatic. Let me tell you what I won't lose. I won't lose my peace. I won't lose my joy. I won't lose my hope. I won't lose my faith. Because baby, I'm consumed with the holy fire that rescued me out of my sins, took me out of my depression, took care of my addictions. Is there anyone that needs holy fire tonight? We need fire. And if we're gonna be filled by fire, let me give you a few things you can say with your life and understand. Number one, fire will transform you. Fire will transform you. There's this unbelievable passage. I run to this in seasons where I feel a fresh demand is on my life. When new requests are coming from heaven or perhaps new things are starting to happen in my life, and I know immediately it's a Malachi 3 chapter, chapter 3 moment. Malachi talks about how God begins to cleanse his sons and daughters. It says he'll purify you with a launderer's soap, and it says he will refine you in a refiner's fire. Now, I have some family members that own uh, uh, gold and silver stores, and so they sometimes, believe it or not, get gold in its natural state. And gold, let me just drop some science knowledge on you for just for a second, all right? Um, gold found in its natural state is actually an alloy, which means a collection of metals. It's never found just as gold. Very rarely is it found just as gold. It's normally got like copper, zinc, and nickel attached to it. In order for you to get the highest price of the gold, you've gotta take it to a refiner. The refiner has the right equipment. He's got what they have, a kiln. And they will heat this up, the fire up to where it's like liquid magma. And they get it to a certain temperature, and then they will add a separating agent called flux, P-H-L-U-X, flux. And they will put that flux in there, and that flux can withstand the heat of the fire, but it won't itself get burned. And once they've got that flux spread evenly around that refiner's fire, then they take the gold and they put the gold in that fire. And then once it hits this fire, the refiner never takes his eyes off the gold. I hope you're hearing me with spiritual hearing. And he will begin to see the flux weave its way in between the nickel and the, the nickel and the cop and the zinc. It'll calm and pull things away. And with every, he takes a, a big spoon, a ladle, and he moves that zinc into one pile. And he removes that nickel and he removes that copper. And with every scoop, he knows that he is increasing the value of the gold. And you know what he knows he's done? When he can see his reflection in the gold. Let me help you out. God brought you to Horizon Church this weekend. Welcome to the refiner's fire. And he has put his separating agent called the Holy Spirit to come on your life. And he is going to remove things that you thought you needed, that you were consumed with, that you thought validated you. And he has begun to increase your value with everything he takes away. Don't complain about your fires. Don't avoid your furnaces. Because with every move, he is removing everything that you thought was valuable. He's actually increasing your value without it. You know, it's, it's interesting because I have found a lot of people don't enjoy their fire. For one simple reason. They're scared of what comes out in the fire. They don't want to get in their fire. Uh, let me just remind you, what happens in the fire stays in the fire. You remember, Paul grabs a bushel of reeds when he's shipwrecked. He doesn't realize when he grabs this bushel that he's got a viper in this, in this bushel 
of wood. He goes over to the fire, puts it on, puts these reeds on the fire, and the heat immediately draws out that viper. That viper, the Bible says, latches itself to Paul's arm. Notice what Paul did not do. Paul did not take out his iPhone 15 and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Look at my arm. I hate my life. What has always happened to me? Hashtag worst day ever. You know, he doesn't do any of that. He doesn't do that. You know, no, no, no. The Bible says it latches himself. And so Paul just looks at this snake like it's lost his mind. He takes the snake and throws it back in the fire because what happens in the fire stays in the fire. Don't avoid your fire. Can I, can I help? Let me, can I take this a little deeper? You can't live off of somebody else's fire. It is not any pastor's job to make sure you have fire. It is not my pastor's job. It is not my spiritual father's job. It's not Pastor Brad's job to make sure that we have fire. It is my job to steward the fire on my altar in my heart. It is not my job. It is my job to tend to my own fire. I think a lot of people have learned, especially in the last several years, how to cultivate a fire that's not theirs. Because they've got one-liners, because they've got opinions, because they've got perspective that they never went through the fire to get. They only hurt somebody else in their pain, in their sacrifice, in their stretching of God in their life. They only heard what they said, and now they live off of YouTube channels and podcasts and 60-second clips on social media. Can I help you out? If you are struggling with hearing the voice of God, but yet YouTube and podcasts and everything else is your spiritual diet, friend, shut all of that down until his whisper becomes louder than anyone else's shout and you get consumed and familiar with his voice and then you can add a podcast, then you can add a YouTube channel. We need to be understanding his fire is here to transform us. Here's the second thing. If we're gonna be filled by fire, number one, fire will transform you. Number two, fire changes everything. Everything. You, you, if you look at any, you can tell when something's been on fire. In the natural, you can tell when a lightning's, uh, a tree's been struck by lightning. You can tell when, when there's the unfortunate accident that a building has been burnt down. You can tell how that building got demolished. It was burnt. You can tell when a log's been in a fire because it used to be a nice brown and now it's a charred black. You can tell. Why? Because fire, it doesn't care what it is. It doesn't care where it's from. It doesn't care what the problem is. It don't care about how much humidity or how much saturation or what climate you came from or what kind of demons you had or what kind of, I'm talking, I'm talking to somebody in this room. God's not in love with a perfect version of you. God's, listen, God's not in love with a future version of you. He's in love with the you right now. When God gets you, he knows everything he's getting. He knows all your pain. He knows all your all, all the sin, he knows all the wickedness, he knows all the struggle, but he knows all your potential. He knows all your prophetic destiny. He knows everything, he gets. he's not in love with the future version. Fire, it changes everything. You know, when you get around the presence of God, when you get around people who are spirit-led, when you get into an environment like this, where we consecrate and dedicate an entire weekend to encountering God, you are not gonna leave the same. In fact, many times God will show up in areas you don't want him to. And he will start speaking to places you don't want him to. What I have learned in my journey with Jesus is the truth in God's word that has the most potential to offend you also has the most potential to set you free. 
And I am here to tell you that when you get in an atmosphere just like this, and the Spirit of God is literally flowing and roaming, I'm telling you there is something happening right now. It will change you. It's not going to leave you the same. I remember I had a young man in our, in our student ministry. Um, he, he came from a background where they did not believe in a move of the Spirit. And then he ends up in our youth ministry, <laughs> which you already know we're the exact polar opposite. We're on the other end, right? And so I, I remember... Um, I, he, he, uh, he would watch as we would go out and do what we called uh, fire teams. And these fire teams would go out and we would get words of knowledge. Lord, give us direction in these words of knowledge. And they were like clues. We'd ask the Lord, tell us where to go. Tell us what their name would be. Tell us what they would be wearing so we could identify them. And tell us what they would need prayer for. And anything, a fifth item, anything that they would creatively, it would minister to them. I can't tell you how many times students, I'm talking about 10-year-olds, 15-year-olds, uh, young adults, they would, they would get these words and they would show up like at a Woolsworth and God says, oh, go to the water bottle aisle. There's gonna be a woman there and she's gonna be dressed like this and her name's gonna be, I can't tell you. I would say conservatively about 90% of the time we knew their name. I mean, it was wild. So I remember we're on one of these fire team moments and I decide I am so tired of this one student not having a touch of the fire of God. So he is gonna come with me and I'm asking God, give me the biggest demon in the city. Give me the biggest, I'm like, I want a moment that is gonna shake this kid and blow that religious dust right off of him so that he could have an encounter. I want him to be marked forever. We're gonna ruin him, right? And so I remember, <laughs> And so I remember when the Lord said, go to this one store. It's a big store called Target. And he said, go to Target. And what you're going to do is you are going to go up to a woman. Her name is this. I forget her name. But she needs prayer because she is having night terrors. That's all we got. She's having night terrors. And so we remember we walk into this Target. And there is, this is a big department store. There is nobody in the store except the people working there. There's nobody, and we have a rule. We don't pray for people that are working because that's their job. They need to work. So, so I remember we're looking around. I mean, we can't find anyone. We're going from the grocery part of the store to the clothing part of the store to the electronics part to where we just ended up around the video games, toys area, and we just waited for somebody to walk in the store. I, I think I was playing Madden or 2K or something like that in the store, and, and he was play, we were playing together. And so I remember, I'm like, okay, let's be Christians. Let's go find somebody again. And so like we go and look, and still nobody, but across the store, finally, in the clothing section, we see one woman. And I'm like, yo, that's her. I don't even know what it is, but that's her. And so, because she's the only other person that we are legally allowed to pray for, right? So I remember we walk up and I said, excuse me, ma'am. And she said, yeah. And you could tell she was really tired. I said, I said excuse me, ma'am. And she said, yeah. She said, listen. I said, listen, we're Christians and God speaks to us. And he told me, that he wanted me to come to this store because a woman named this, and I showed her the paper where we wrote down her name. I said, is that your name? And she goes, yes. And he said, well, he told me he wanted us to pray for you because you have night terrors. You're not getting good sleep. And she locked up just like this. And I said, ma'am, is there something going on? And she said, my, my father and my husband are in the hospital and they are fighting for their lives. And I cannot sleep because I don't want to lose not just one of them, let alone both of them. And I remember, I said, well, ma'am, we're gonna pray for you. I said, can we, can I lay my hand on you, on your shoulder? Now, this kid is looking at me like, 
his biggest like trophy that day is like, we knew her name. I'm like, bro, come on, let's get excited when God does something, not that he told us something, you know? And so, but he's sitting there, and I'm like, his name was Fernie. I'm like, come on, Fernie, jump in, tap in, baby. Well, this is it, right here, right? And so I remember, I lay my hand, as soon, I'm telling you, as soon as I touch this woman's shoulder, she manifests a demon right in this store. I mean, I'm not lying. I put my hand on her shoulder, I pull Fernie over, I put my hand on her shoulder, and she goes, ha, ha, ha. Ah, and her tongue is wagging out and demon juice is going everywhere and it's gross because I'm a germaphobe. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm a germaphobe. Pre-pandemic germaphobe, all right? Like, I don't eat after anybody. I don't drink after. I will kiss my wife in tongues, but I will not drink after this woman because, I listen, that is not a spirit. That's a standard, and I expect you to know the difference, okay? So, like, I, 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 I'm, I'm sitting there and she's like, ah, ah, ah. Well, Fernie's like, ah, Fernie's freaking out. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? Well, she's all wiggling around like a snake on the floor. Ah, I'm like, Fernie, get over here. You stop being a sissy. You stop being a sissy. You get over here. I ain't doing it, Pastor Chris. I ain't doing it, Pastor Chris. I grab his shirt. And I'm like, you know, you coming over here. You don't kiss some of this. You know, you say, but you're not soft, sir. You better step up, son. Right? Like, I'm all hyping him up. Right? So we're sitting here. And he's like, ah, ah. And I'm like, tell it to leave right now. Well, don't you know, you would think, oh, this is the only woman in the store. No, by that time, everybody in the city decided to come to Target. So now what they see is two men standing over a woman that's on the ground like this. And they're coming over here like, hey, what's, 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 what's going on? And they're looking over here and I'm like, don't worry about them. We go, we good, we good, we, we good, we good. Right, like trying. I didn't do that, but I wanted to. But like, we're good. Right? And I'm like, Fernie, speak to it. And he's like, ha, ah. hey, like, like he's gonna catch something. Like I'm, I'm like, Fernie, you tell this devil to leave this woman. And he goes, this is the most sissified way to cast out. And he goes, please leave. <laughs> and I was like, God. I'm like, I know we have a better discipleship course. I know who his small group leader is. I know who the campus, I, like, wait. He's like, please, like, with the little wave to the little, please leave. <laughs> I was like, right? I'm like, no, Fernie, like you have authority. You tell it what to do. And I'm sitting there and this lady's like, ha, ha, ha. People are like, what's going on? What's going on? And I said, Fernie, you have to do this now. Because I'm thinking we're going to get arrested. There's, they're going to, right? I said, Fernie, do it now. Out of nowhere, he's in this environment. Spirit of God is moving. And something bursts open in his spirit. And he says, in the name of Jesus, leave. And when he said this, it's like the spirit of God hit this woman. And she was like this. He said, leave. And she went, boom, out cold on the floor. And I go and lay hands on her. Fernie full of the fire of Almighty God, turns around to our audience and goes, the presence of God is here and he is setting people free. And if you have never given your life to Jesus, this is your moment to give him your entire life. Surrender your sin, receive his love, receive his mercy. Fernie is leading people to Jesus. And I'm over here with the woman. And I'm like, yeah, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh? Who's first? Come on, let's pray. I mean, I'm all, I, I hype everybody up. But why would this happen? Fire changes everything. Fernie has been, I mean, absolutely transformed. He's now pastoring a great church in California. He looks back 
on this one time and says it was that moment where everything changed. Fire, it doesn't leave you the same. It, doesn't, it would be inappropriate for fire to leave one person in their dysfunction while pulling another one in their destiny. Which brings me to this last point, number three. If we're gonna be fueled by fire, number one, fire transform, will transform you. Number two, fire changes everything. Number three, a lot of people ask, how do I keep and intensify this fire? I think this is a genuine question that comes out of deep desire. I don't want fire just for the Selah weekend. I don't want just fire when we have the right speaker, when we have the right worship, or the worship leaders, or the worship team, or we have the right people praying in the altar. I don't just want fire when I'm spiritually hyped, like after a conference, or after a camp, or after a gathering, or after a prayer meeting. People, there, people, I have met a lot of people who have this longing. How do I keep and increase this thing? Well, I would like to show you. In Matthew 25, for the sake of time, I'll just, um, I'll quote this, uh, I'll paraphrase it. It's the parable of the 10 virgins. And there are five that are foolish, and five that are wise. Now, the, the, they understand they are betrothed to a groom, and they know that there is a chance that the groom could return at any moment, quite possibly in the middle of the night. And if they don't have a lamp to see in the darkness, they won't be able to find their groom. So the foolish ones are like, at least I know I need a lamp. So they go and they buy a lamp, and they go home and they're happy. They only buy a lamp. The wise ones, go to the same store, and they buy a lamp and as much oil as they could possibly afford. And then, sure enough, the parable goes that the grooms come in the middle of the night, and they, they, the, the foolish ones are panicked because they can't light their lamp. They don't know what to do. How do I get there? What do I do? How does this work? How do I, I can't, and they're looking at the wise ones. The wise ones have no problem. Light in their lamp, no problem. Why is that? It's because one bought oil when the other didn't. They are freaking out. They're like, can you give us some of your oil? And the wise ones say, we can't. There may not be enough for you and us. Then they say this, this phrase right here, I want you to hold in your spirit for the rest of your life. They said, go and buy some for yourself. Go and buy some for yourself. Let me put this in our world. I, I, I live in Texas, I grew up hunting and and I remember, you know, when you would go hunting, many times you have to show up to the deer blind early in the morning, and you can't see, so you need a torch, you need a lamp, you need some sort of light. And so if I were to go in, and I was using what they would use in their day, I would need some sort of light, and I, if I was a foolish person, I would walk in and go, hey, I, I need something to see in the dark, but I, I just want one. How much is that lamp? Well, this lamp is this price. Okay, it's only that much. Like, I don't wanna have to pay anymore. I don't wanna to have to give anymore. Don't ask me to tithe. Don't ask me to serve. Don't ask me to lead. Don't ask me to win people to Jesus. Don't ask me, to, are, am I getting warm? Because that why it's getting, because this is spiritual atmosphere, it got quiet real fast, right? Don't ask me to do more. Don't ask me to give more. Don't ask me to pray more. Don't ask me, but don't ask me to do more. I just want my lamp. And they're like, this is all that it costs. So they buy their lamp, they go home. The wise ones, the wise ones walk in 
And they say, listen, I need that lamp, the same lamp the foolish ones buy. I need that lamp. And they pull out their wallet. And as much oil as this will buy me, and they take all the cash out of their wallet. And then they have sold all, everything that's of value, all their assets, all their homes, their, their cars, their motorcycles, the boat, everything. And they have sold it all and they have leveraged all of it. And they're saying, listen, this is all that I have to my name. This is everything that I'm worth. This is everything that I've worked for. And I'm pushing all of it to the center. I need one lamp and as much oil as this will buy me. And they go home. Sure enough, darkness comes. A 2020 happens. An election cycle happens. A tragedy a personal loss, an, a, a sickness, something that you didn't plan for, that you didn't expect, starts to take place in your life. We will find out real fast who has oil and who does not. I would fully confess to you there were areas in my life where I thought I had oil and I found out I didn't. I, I believe that there's, there's this foolishness that comes on us thinking, Sunday morning buys me oil. This weekend I'll buy oil. No, no, no. Because there is only one currency that you can buy oil. There's only one. They said literally, we don't have any oil. Give us some of your oil. And they said, we can't. There won't be enough for you and us. Go and buy some for yourself. So how do you buy holy, heavenly oil? There's only one currency you use, and that's surrender. They did, these wise ones did not keep back sections, parts, or pieces of their life. They didn't, it didn't matter if they grew up in a pastor's home. It didn't matter if they were friends with the leadership. It didn't matter anywhere. All they knew was that I have got to give everything. And I have met a lot of people who will dedicate time and resources, but when he comes after that secret, when he comes after what nobody talked about, but God's been talking to you about? When he comes for those things that we thought I could just hide this, hold this, harness this, manage this, yet it is taking over your life and you are working overtime to act like you don't have the problems that you really do have. Friend, you don't have oil. You know, I, I, I have this unique responsibility to go across the globe and minister to incredible people like yourself. I have been in a lot of different environments and churches and conferences, and one thing that I've noticed, and I'm sure Pastor Brad could echo this probably even better than I could, but I have watched as people will come into an environment like this, and they will hear the same worship, be in the same atmosphere, encounter the same presence, hear the same word, answer the same altar call, get the same prayer, but one leaves with oil when the other does not. When I used to pastor, it used to bother me, like, why don't they all leave with oil? And I used to think maybe I'm, my preach isn't strong enough, or I didn't fast enough for this message or this moment. I, I used to think it was me until God started opening up. Son, only some people make room for oil. And it just, it triggered this journey inside of me that I don't want anybody leaving the presence of God with just a, I got prayed for, or I went to a good service, or he was funny, or that guy is crazy, 
Or man, that church is awesome. No, I wanted people leaving. I came in one way and I am leaving absolutely different. I thought I was gonna be judged and I was loved. I thought that people were gonna forget about me and they embraced me like family. I thought that God didn't want anything to do with me and he took away my cancer and he healed all my pain and he reversed every generational cycle in my life. I'm telling you, that, that looks like oil to me. I, I've, I wonder if tonight, could you carry more? I understand there are seasoned veterans in this room. I, I recognize a lot of your faces. I know that some of you have been in ministry, some of you have been serving in this church a long time in different capacity, but what if God wanted to give you more? This message isn't just for those who haven't bought oil. What about fresh oil? What about supplies of oil? You know, I'm, I, I, uh, I'm the type of person, my wife will go grocery shopping. I'll be home watching something on TV. And my wife will text me, hey, come out to the car, help me carry these groceries inside. Now, at that point in my life, I have one goal, Pastor Tim, one goal, one goal, right? Every, every man in this room, every male in this room knows this goal, all right? If I'm walking out there, first off, you know I don't have shoes on, so I'm putting on like Jasmine's bunny slippers or something like that, and I'm coming out the house because I don't want to do anything else, right? And so I am going to, I have one goal. I want to carry all of these groceries, help me out, men, in one trip. Am I right? Come on, I'm preaching the gospel. You know I am, right? God's honest truth. One trip! It don't matter if I have 47 bags in this hand, and 234 in this hand, and I'm cutting off circulation, I'm gonna lose a finger. Baby, I am still doing it in one trip, all right? And I will, I, I've noticed that if I go out and help my wife and it's just a bag, you know what I've noticed is if I'm carrying that bag, no matter how much weight it's got in it, I can keep my usual rhythm, pace, cadence, pattern, I can, I can do it, my stride's the same. But when I'm asked to carry more, I have to, Think about every bit of weight shift, every decision. I have to pray and process at a different lane because I can't walk the same. I can't carry myself the same. I can't go into the rest of 2023 and 2024 with the same oil. No, I need a fresh outpouring of oil that ignites a fresh fire that will be fueling myself correctly. Can I help somebody out in this room? You should never feel guilty for carrying more. Don't, don't feel strange because you carry more. I'm not apologizing because I carry more. I, I'm, I, I'm done with trying to fit in, but I carry more. No, I'm, I'm gonna pray like I carry more. I'm gonna respond to God tonight like I want or need to carry more. I'm gonna ask God to activate something fresh in me because I want more. This isn't just for those that are dry tonight. Maybe you've got great cadence with the Lord. Maybe there is a spiritual rhythm to your life that's great, but what if God wants to say, but yeah, I want more? I just wonder if you wanna keep and intensify this, there's only one way you do that, and that's surrender. Would you stand up with me tonight? I, I really sense the Spirit of God in this room. I feel the presence of God in this room. I feel there's a unique desire in this room that you want the presence of God. I mean, it, your desire, it outweighs everything. 
There's just this like committed core in this room. The longing, the tears, the desire, or maybe what I'm doing is putting language to somebody's cry. You have, you felt off or you felt weak or you, you didn't feel God. But perhaps God's saying, it's not that you don't feel me, it's that I'm trying to fill you and I'm trying to make room for the new. I'm trying to make room for more. I'm trying to design these moments so that you don't just carry one-liners and a cute story, that you carry an anointing and authority that it causes you to have to go, Selah, because God has brought you a place where you have to meditate, comb through, let it latch onto you, sift your own heart, work through your own spirit. I just wonder if there's any surrender in the room. I don't know about anybody else, but I fully came in tonight knowing the message I was preaching. I was like, Lord, I need to buy some oil. You are asking me for things in my marriage. I'm just being uh, transparent with you. You are asking things for me as a dad, as a son, as your son. I feel you claiming me for things that I am, I don't know how I'm going to do. And the only thing I know is to make sure that I am fueled correctly. I wonder if there's anyone in this room who'd say, Pastor Chris, this message is provoking something on the inside of me. I can't be the same. I can't leave my campus the same. I can't leave my city the same. I can't leave my family the same. And I, I need fresh oil. I need that oil that causes that fire to burn no matter what the climate is, no matter what the opinions are. But I've got to make room for the new because I've got to surrender. If that's you, and you say, Pastor Chris, I, I need to buy some oil. I need to yield. I, 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 need to, I need to embrace this fact that I've got to stop keeping back parts of my life. Or maybe there's a desire, you just want more of God. Either way, it's time to surrender. If you say, Pastor Chris, this, this message is moving me. Uh, his word is, is doing something on the inside of me. Pastor Chris, I want to buy some oil. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Who am I talking to? We're talking to oil getters. We're talking to people who don't want the nominal Christian life, but you want to be marked and you want to carry more. Man, this is a lot of hands, almost every hand. This is amazing. I feel the pull of God. Would you, would you take a moment before God and would you begin to make room for the new? What are the areas that are causing the oil to not flow? God, I'm gonna lay this down. Might be a relationship. Might be the success. Might be the trophies that you're trying to win in your life. Oh my gosh, I feel this right now. I feel like somebody, you are so consumed with a relationship and you, you're thinking, oh, this could be something. Oh, this could be marriage material. And God say, no, it's a distraction. I think there's someone in this room. You've been so mad at God for some unfortunate things that have happened in your life. I don't even need to be prophetic. This could be stats. This could just be science. But you are so, you have been so wounded and you have blamed God for causing that pain when it was never him, but he is the perfect person to heal you. It's time to buy some oil. Someone in this room, you, 
I really feel by the Spirit of God. You are trying, I felt this when Pastor Brad said it, you are trying to have a baby. I want to ask you to buy some oil. God, I trust you. We will have a child. You will find a way. Man, I feel like it's time to buy some oil, church. I, I don't know how you got to the place you're at, but I do know that there is oil available tonight. Your hand raised is literally saying, I am going to surrender. I am going to yield. I am going to make room. I am not going to miss this moment. I'm not going to mismanage another time in God's presence. No, tonight's different. I have got to have some oil. And I refuse to leave this moment without being absolutely embraced by the presence of God. Ignite something on the inside of us. Friend, it's time to buy some oil. I, truth be told, you don't need to look to this platform to decide what you're going to get out of tonight. I would like for you to, to encounter God. If you say, Pastor Chris, would you pray for me? Could you, could you journey with me? Absolutely. I don't mind you coming down, but I feel like the whole room is an altar. We got almost every hand raised. There's people in this room who are saying, I, I can't make it through the month of September without oil. God, I don't know how you're going to turn around. I don't know what you're going to do with this court decision. I don't know. I feel like someone got a diagnosis. I don't know what it is. You got a doctor's report this week. I feel this right now. And you got a report, and it was a negative report. It was not the encouragement that you were looking for. Friend, I got news for you. You know the facts, but we also know the truth. And the truth is God can heal you. God can touch your life. God is going to remove. I declare right now. If you need a miracle in your body, I feel this right here. If you need a miracle in your body, I release the healing anointing of Jesus on your life. Move, Holy Spirit. Move, Holy Spirit. Move, Holy Spirit. Father, tonight, we are making room for more oil. More oil. More oil. Jesus. Could you identify those areas? Where do you need to buy? What do you need to buy oil with? The foolish ones walked in and they kept back pieces of their life. The wise ones walked in and they yielded and surrendered. They let go of everything, fully trusting that his presence would make all the difference. Mm, I feel the refreshing presence of God right here. I feel the wind of God blowing right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare over us tonight, we are buying oil. We are yielding. We are surrendering. I, I, Lord, we've, we surrender future plans. I think you've got great ideas. I think someone in here, you have an idea of where you're going to uni. You have an idea of what home you're going to buy. You have an idea of what God's called you to. You have an idea. You have some glimpse. You have some desire. And God's going to interrupt you and say, but I want you to do this. And I want you to go there. And I want you to study this. And I want to give you this uh, this this area of the city and I want to use you in this part of life and I'm going to call you into something you didn't get a degree in and you didn't know you would have a desire for or you feel like you don't have the right skill set. I'm telling you God is causing a holy interruption in this room tonight. Jesus.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.